Section thirteen of the Pagan Madonna by Harold McGrath. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Recording by Don W. Jenkins. Chapter thirteen. The third day out, they were well below Formosa, which had been turned on a wide arc. The sea was blue now, quiescent, waveless. There was only the eternal roll. Still, Jane could not help comparing the sea with the situation the devil was slumbering what if he waked time after time she tried to force her thoughts into the reality of this remarkable cruise but it was impossible romance was always smothering her edging her off when she approached the sinister perhaps if she had heard ribald songs even seen evidence of drunkenness if the crew had loitered about and been lacking in respect she would have been able to grasp the actuality but so far the idea persisted that this could not be anything more than a pleasure cruise. Piracy? Where was it? So she measured her actions accordingly, read, played the phonograph, went here and there over the yacht, often taking her stand in the bow and peering down the cutwater to watch the antics of some humorous porpoise, or to follow the smother of spray where the flying fish broke. In fact, she conducted herself exactly as she would have done on board a passenger ship. There were moments when she was honestly bored. Piracy! This was an established fact. Cunningham and his men had stepped outside the pale of law and running off with the wanderer. But piracy without drunken disorder, piracy that wiped its feet on the doormat and hung its hat on the rack. There was a touch of the true farce in it. Hadn't Cunningham himself confessed that the whole affair was a joke? Round two o'clock on the afternoon of the third day, Jane, for the moment alone in her chair, heard the phonograph, the sextet from Lucia. She left her chair, looked down through the open transom, and discovered Dennison cranking the machine. He must have seen her shadow, for he glanced up quickly. He crooked a finger which said, Come on down. She made a negative sign and withdrew her head. Here she was again on the verge of wild laughter. Donizetti! Pirates! Glass beads for which Clay had voyaged sixteen thousand miles! A father and son who ignored each other! She choked down this desire to laugh because she was afraid it might end suddenly in hysteria and tears. She returned to her chair, and there was the father, arranging himself comfortably. He had a book. "'Would you like me to read a while to you?' she offered. "'Will you?' you see he confessed i'm troubled with insomnia if i read by myself i only become interested in the book but if someone reads aloud it makes me drowsy as a nurse i've done that hundreds of times but frankly i can't read poetry i begin to sing-song it at once it becomes rhyme without reason what is the book clay extended it to her the moment her hands touched the volume she saw that she was holding something immeasurably precious the form was unlike the familiar shapes of modern books. The covers consisted of exquisitely hand-tooled calf bound by thongs. There was a subtle perfume as she opened them. Illuminated vellum. She uttered a pleasurable little gasp. The Song of Songs, which is Solomon's, she read. Fifteenth century, the vellum. The Florentine covers were probably added in the seventeenth. I have four more downstairs. They are museum pieces, as we say. That is to say, priceless? After a fashion. Many waters cannot quench love. 
neither can the floods drown it if a man would give all the substance of his house for love it would utterly be contemned why did you select that i didn't select it i remembered it because it is true you have a very pleasant voice go on read thus for an hour she read to him and by the time she grew tired clay was sound asleep the look of granite was gone from his face and she saw that he too had been handsome in his youth why had he struck denny on the mouth what had the son done so to enrage the father some woman and where had she met the man oh she was certain that she had encountered him before but for the present the gate to recollection refused to swing outward gently she laid the beautiful book on his knees and stole over to the rail for a while she watched the flying fish then came one of those impulses which keep human beings from becoming half-gods a wrong impulse surrendered to immediately unweighed unanalyzed unchallenged the father asleep the son amusing himself with the phonograph she was now unobserved by her guardians and so she put into execution the thought that had been urging and intriguing her since the strange voyage began a visit to the chart house she wanted to ask cunningham some questions he would know something about the clays the port door to the chart house was open latched back against the side she hesitated for a moment outside the high beamed threshold hesitated because captain newton was not visible the wheelman was alone obliquely she saw cunningham cleave and a third man seated round a table which was littered this third man sat facing the port door and sensing her presence he looked up rather attractive until one noted the thin hard lips the brilliant blue eyes at the sight of jane something flitted over his face and jane knew that he was bad what's the matter flint asked cunningham observing the other's abstraction we have a visitor answered flint cunningham spun his chair around and jumped to his feet miss norman come in come in anything you need he asked with lively interest i should like to ask you some questions mr cunningham oh well if i can answer them i will he looked significantly at his companions who rose and left the house by the starboard door they can't keep away from him can they said flint cynically slewfoot has the come hither sure enough i had an idea she'd be hiking this way the first chance she got you haven't the right dope this trip replied cleve the contract reads hands off women and booze psalm singing pirates we'll be having prayers sunday but that woman is my style better begin digging up a prayer if you've got that bug in your head if you make any fool play in that direction cunningham will break you i saw you last night staring through the transom watch your step flint i'm telling you but if she should happen to take a fancy to me who shall say no hate yourself eh there was liquor on your breath last night did you bring some aboard what's that to you it's a whole lot to me my bucko to me and the rest of the boys clay will not prosecute us for piracy if we play a decent game until we raise the catwick on old van dorn's tub we can drink and sing if we want to if cunningham gets a whiff of your breath when you've had it you'll get yours most of the boys have never done anything worse than apple stealing it was the adventure all keyed up for war and no place to go and this was a kind of safety valve already half of them are beginning to knock in the knees game understand but now worried about the future a peg or two before turning in won't hurt anybody i'm not touching it in the daytime keep away from him when you do that's all we're depending on you and cunningham to pull through 
If you two get to scrapping, the whole business will go bluey. If we play the game according to the contract, there's a big chance of getting back to the States without having the sheriff on the dock to meet us. But if you mess it up because an unexpected stroke put a woman on board, you'll end up as shark bait. Maybe I will, and maybe I won't, was the truculent rejoinder. Lord, said Cleve, a vast discouragement in his voice, you lay a course as true and fine as a hare and run afoul a rotting derelict in the night. Flint laughed. Oh, I shan't make any trouble. I'll say my prayers regular until we make sure finally. The agreement was to lay off the clay booze. I brought on board only a couple of quarts, and they'll be gone before we raise the catwick. But if I feel like talking to the woman, I'll do it. It's your funeral, not mine, was the ominous comment. You've been on the beach once too often, Flint, to play a game like this straight. But Cunningham had to have you, because you know the melee lingo. "'Remember, he isn't afraid of anything that walks on two feet or four. "'Neither am I, when I want anything. "'But glass beads.' "'That was only a lure for Clay, who'd go around the world for any curio he was interested in.' "'That's what I mean. "'If it were diamonds or pearls or rubies, all well and good, but a string of glass beads. "'The old duffer is a nut.' "'Maybe he is, but if you had ten or twelve millions, what would you do?' jump for prome and foot it to the silk bazaar where there are three or four of the prettiest burmese girls you ever laid your eyes on then i'd buy the golly face hotel in colombo and close it to the public and in five years the old beach again flint scowled at the oily heaving rolls brassy and dazzling he was bored for twelve weeks he had circled the dull round of ship routine with never shore leave that was long enough for an ordinary drinking bout he was bored stiff suddenly his thin lips broke into a smile cleve noting the smile divined something of the impellent thought behind that smile and he grew uneasy he recalled his own expression of a few moments gone the unreckoned derelict thank you for coming up said cunningham it makes me feel that you trust me i want to admitted jane a disturbing phenomenon always there was a quickening of her heartbeats at the beginning of each encounter with this unusual gentleman rover it was no longer fear what was it was it the face of him too strong and vital for a woman's too handsome for a man's was it his dark fiery eye which was always reversing what his glib tongue said some hidden magnetism alone the thought of him was recurrent no matter how resolutely she cast it forth even now she could not honestly say whether she was here to ask questions of Cunningham or of herself. Perhaps it was because he was the unknown, whereas Denny was for the most part as readable as an open book. The one like the forest stream, sometimes turbulent but always clear, the other like the sea through which they ploughed, smooth, secret, ominous. "'Do your guardians know where you are?' raillery in his voice. "'No, I came to ask some questions.' curiosity sit down what is it you wish to know all this and what will be the end well doubtless there will be an end but i'm not seer enough to foretell it then you have some doubts only those that beset all of us but somehow well you don't seem to belong to this sort of game why not unexpectedly he had set a wall between she had no answer and her embarrassment was visible on her cheeks here and there across the world rough men call me slewfoot perhaps my deformity has reacted upon my soul and twisted that perhaps if my countenance had been homely and rugged i would have walked the beaten paths of respectability but the two together i'm sorry 
A woman such as you are would be. You are a true daughter of the great mother. Pity. But I have never asked pity of any. I have asked only that a man shall keep his word to me, as I will keep mine to him. But are you risking your liberty, perhaps your life? I have been risking that for more than twenty years. The habit has become normal. All my life I have wanted a real adventure. She gazed at him in utter astonishment. An adventure? Why, you yourself told me that you had risked your life a hundred times. That? With a smile and a shrug. That was business, the day's work. I mean an adventure on which I am accountable to no man. Only to God? Well, of course, if you want it that way. For myself, I am something of a pagan. I have dreamed of this day. When you were a little girl, didn't you dream of a wonderful doll that could walk and make almost human noises? Well, I am realizing my doll. I am going pearl-hunting in the South Seas, the thing I dreamed of when I was a boy. But why commit piracy? Why didn't you hire a steamer? Oh, I must have my joke, too. But I hadn't counted on you. In every campaign there is the hollow road of Ohane. Napoleon lost Waterloo because of it. Your presence here has forced me to use a hand without velvet. These men expected little fun, cards and drink, and some of them are grumbling with discontent. But don't worry. In five days we'll be off on our own. What is the joke? That will have to wait. For a few minutes I heard you reading today. Your voice is like a bell at sea in the evening. Many waters cannot quench love, he quoted, the flash of opals in his eyes, though his lips were smiling gently. The Bible is a wonderful book. Its authors were poets who were not spoiled by the curse of time. Does it amuse you to hear me talk of the Bible? An unregenerate scalawag? Well, it is like this. I am something of an authority on illuminated manuscripts. I've had to wade through hundreds of them. That is the method by which I became acquainted with the scriptures. The Song of Songs. Lord love you, if that isn't pure pagan, what is? I prefer the Proverbs. Ask Clay if he has that manuscript with him. It's in a remarkable state of preservation. Remember, there be three things which are too wonderful for me, yea, four which I know not. The way of an eagle in the air, the way of a serpent upon a rock, the way of a ship in the midst of the sea, and the way of a man with a maid. Ask Clay to show you that. Clay, the name swung her back to the original purpose of this visit. Do you know the Clays well? I know the father. He has the gift of strong men, unforgetting and unforgiving. I know little or nothing about the son except that he is a chip of the old block. Queer twist in events, eh? Have you any idea what estranged them? Didn't know they were at outs until the night before we sailed. They don't speak? No, and it seems so utterly foolish. Cherche la femme. You believe that was it? It is always so, always and eternally the woman. I don't mean that she is always to blame. I mean that she is always there, in the background. But you, I say now here's the job for you. Bring them together. That's your style. For weeks now you three will be together. Within that time you'll be able to twist both of them round your finger. I wonder if you realize it. You're not beautiful, but you are something better, splendid. Strong men will always be gravitating toward you, wanting comfort, peace. You're not the kind that sets men's hearts on fire, that makes absconders, fills the divorce courts, and all that. You're like a cool hand on a hot forehead, and you have a voice as sweet as a bell. Instinct, the female fear of the trap, warned Jane to be off, but curiosity held her to the chair. She was human, and this flattery, free of any suggestion of love-making, gave her a warming, pleasurable thrill. Still there was a fly in the amber. 
Every woman wishes to be credited with hidden fires, to possess equally the power to damn men as well as to save them. Has there never been? A woman? Have I not just said there is always a woman? He was sardonic now. Mine, seeing me walk, laughed. She wasn't worth it. No, she wasn't, but when we are twenty the heart is blind, so Clay and the boy don't speak? Clay hasn't injured you in any way, has he? Injured me? Of course not. I am only forced by circumstance, in an oblique sense of the comic, to make a convenience of him, and by the Lord Harry it's up to you to help me out. I? Bewildered. End of chapter 13 Read by Don W. Jenkins Rancho San Diego, California shaggybark.blogspot.com